2: Hello and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host and sports writer for LSJ, joined by free beat writer Chris Alari and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch. For the listeners out there, it is Tuesday afternoon, a very overcast afternoon here in Greater Lansing. And maybe most important, it is two days before Thanksgiving. Hope everybody out there is staying safe and being thankful. So before we start, Graham, Chris, I want to ask you guys, what are you thankful for as we head into the Thanksgiving weekend?
1: I'm thankful for for everything. I'm thankful for college hoops, college football, uh, you know, a good life. I got life is pretty pretty decent for me. I'm you know I'm thankful not to have three children under five during a uh, uh, or five and under during a um, a pandemic. That's what I'm thankful for. How about you, Chris?
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, we only <laughs> have two under five. Thankfully, we have that so. oh, six year old. So no, that's <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. You missed a birthday in there, Graham. We're still waiting on that present. <laughs> <laughs> no it's good um you know it's the change of the weather always kind of kind of gets you a little bit at this time of the year the uh the overlap in the seasons and the the double workload that comes with it, especially this year. I think that's kind of the the crazy part that we're barely into the football season it feel- i mean it seriously feels like it's maybe what September you know maybe early October, and everything's crashing together so Certainly, uh, interesting times. But hey, we're we're twenty four hours, a little more than twenty four hours away from basketball season.
2: Yeah, it's uh that is pretty crazy that uh, we're already there. It's certainly nothing feels right about twenty twenty, and just the fact that we're this close to the season, and just the build, because like you said, just because they're mixing the seasons, we're barely halfway through football, and all of a sudden we got basketball going. So it is going to be a crazy next month for. For you guys, especially, probably more so than me, as we kind of head to the Christmas holiday here.
0: Yes, I own a whiteboard now, so I, I kind of am, am trying to keep a little bit organized now that I have a desk next to my, in, in my basement, next to my two TVs that I set up last weekend, just so in case we're stuck at home, I can I can get multiple things going.
1: But what a life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. How, how big are the TVs, Chris? Which ones? I mean, I've got a 55 inch in front of me. I've got a uh, 26 inch. I got a 30 inch. I got a 42 inch. I, there, there's TVs all in this I mean, basement. Yeah,
2: I just didn't know if Only you were going, you were or, going for a B dubs like setup where you just had like 90 inch screens all across the all across yeah, your room.
0: <laughs> it's, it, it quite honestly has crossed my mind a few different ways yeah. how I can do this, um, but I have not yet gotten to that point where I'm starting to splice cable or multiply the roku sticks i mean i could always throw games on computers too so i mean if i want to start a sports book in my basement i probably i mean could i legally do that now that they're allowed here in state i don't know i won't
1: tell anybody
2: yeah your your secret is safe with me i'll delete i'll delete this out of the the podcast
0: sports book in the state let's
2: put it that way (laughs) exactly all right well obviously we are going to talk about basketball with the season opener against eastern michigan taking place wednesday and then after a week off for michigan state football we will talk about the state of the Spartans football program as they head into a game against Northwestern who had a uh, very impressive win last weekend over Wisconsin. Uh, Usually I am the one who kind of picks the order of these things with uh, maybe some consultation from you guys sometimes, but because it's Thanksgiving and I am in a good mood, I want you guys to pick what we want to talk about first, basketball or football.
1: Ah, boy. I I know
2: big, big choices here.
1: I, I, I feel like it depends on when somebody listens to this, where their head will be. So that's a tough call, you know? Um, I don't know, Chris, what would you like? I, I I'm thankful for you making a choice on this. All right. Let, let let's go hoops, because I All feel right. like people are buzzing for that a little bit.
2: Yeah, and that comes first in the schedule. So yeah. So if you have to listen to this in two parts for some reason, That's you right. can you can come back to the football part later. Well, like I said uh earlier, they Michigan State will open its season Wednesday night at six PM at home against Eastern Michigan. I saw some things on the Twitter machine about some pumped in fan crowd to maybe try to create some of that kind of environment for the players. But uh, we will come, maybe come back to that part later, but let's uh, talk about the team and what we kind of expect. And uh, I thought it was an interesting, I think it was a rocket Watts who floated the idea that there's still a chance foster lawyer might start as the, the point guard for this game. Uh, I don't know how, how are you feeling about that possibility, Graham? I know we, I know everyone's kind of pretty high on rocket Watts potential. breakout season
1: here. I, I think it's a bad idea. Um, and I'll I'll tell you why, it, wow. because even even if Foster Lawyer is uh, everything that they're saying he is in terms of improved and able to handle pressure and and you know he's in a real you know show me position right now where it, it, people got to see it to believe it, and at some point Rocket Watts is going to start on this team right. I think we all can agree on that. So if that would mean then at some point Foster Lawyer is going to be demoted if he starts right now. You're setting him up for that, and, and plus now you're setting him up to be compared to Rocket Watts. To me, like, you, you want him to play himself back into the hearts of Michigan State fans, and doing that off the bench is, is the better way to go. Plus, all the stuff we've talked about with the, the defense of this year's team being a real strength in that backcourt, they're able to get into people, and I think that can make a big difference as soon as the Notre Dame game on Saturday. You lose that when you don't put, you know, Rocket Watts on that point guard position, and, and I, so I don't uh, – I. To me, it does not make sense to do. I understand. I don't mind the idea of people saying it to, uh, you know, motivate Rocket Watts or keep an opponent guessing or whatever you want to do. The actual saying it is fine. But the idea of doing it to me doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: I I don't know if we're looking at it the right way. I I think a lot of people have taken too much into account of thinking that Josh Lankford is going to start. I think Rocket Watts is is going to start one way or the other. It's just whether he's going to be at the point or at the two. I mean, we don't know where Josh Langford is physically, and he has yet to show it in a game where he's at physically. And I think that's that's kind of the key. And, and that's going to be something that's an ongoing thing. How do you manage and minimize the wear and tear on the feet that Josh Langford has? Um, and is he better starting, maybe playing a few minutes to get a feel or coming off the bench and getting a feel? I mean, and he's a guy as a captain, quite honestly, that could make that decision himself. Um, he could be a guy that would say, I'm going to ba- make, I'm going to, make sure that Rocket gets the start and Foster gets the start, bring me off the bench, I'm just happy to play. So I, I think that's, that's something that you got to keep in mind with that because, again, we're assuming Josh Langford's healthier, particularly laterally on the defensive side. And, and I think that's the big thing to me. Uh, you know, I, I think for, for Langford, he's, to, to be back to the player he was, he's got to show he's able to cover and, and, and ground defensively on the perimeter.
1: So my, my, my counter to that would be that just this, like they've been touting Gabe Brown as the sixth man. And, and, and I think that works, you know, if, if you talk about both Gabe and Langford coming off the bench at the two, I, you know, it doesn't, and again, it takes away to me and you're right. You're right. We don't know what Langford's going to be defensively and whether he can move like he could before. Um, I, I, and so if Langford is the issue, if that is the count, that, then that's fine. Uh, if, if he is not though, and, and they should know it by now, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I just think like, l- l- take a guy like Kenny Goins, right. You, you talk about somebody who was not a fan favorite, um, because he used to be forced to play a position. He wasn't ready to, you know, he wasn't a center. He was playing center. Right. And, and he was playing over Nick Ward when he was playing and Nick Ward was a score. And, and, and so people hated that. And by the end, you know, he's a folklore and he hits the shot, and, but he was a really good player before he hits the shot. And he played himself back into sort of the hearts of MSU fans by playing a role that fit him. And I think Foster Lawyer, if he starts over Rocket Watch, and you're right, if it's one different if they're alongside each other, then you're, the comparisons are there. People are going to go, well, they're better with Rocket Watch. Why are they starting him? It just doesn't, to me, doesn't, no pun intended, foster the greatest environment and the greatest setup for a kid who could really use a year where – he's allowed to surprise people a little bit rather than the coaches saying this is how good he is. So he's starting that takes the element of his improvement being a surprise. But then he's got to play to a standard that's better than rocket Watts as a point guard. And if he's not, then he gets benched at some point or, or supplanted. I should say I, to me, it just, you know, other than the Langford scenario, which you said, in which case he also needs to be better than you're trying to put your best five on the floor. So, basically, for for foster lawyer to start, not Rocket Watts at the two with lawyer at the one has to be better than any combination that also includes Gabe Brown or um, Joshua Langford. And I just find that really hard to believe.
0: Well, here's the thing, and it, it, and this is the one thing I think that Dwayne Stevens kind of revealed on Monday when he talked about. It. it's the comfortability factor at the point. You know Watts doesn't sound like he is one hundred percent comfortable running the offense as, as the lead guard just yet. And and that's where the, you know, he talked about um, how comfortable and, and more uh, at ease lawyer looks as a traditional point guard, um, which is where you start thinking, okay, one and two, you know, if you got Watts at the two, I mean, that's the other thing too is that are we sure Gabe Brown's going to be spending most of his more time at the two or at the three? I mean, you know, I asked Stevens about whether he'd play the four and he said they're trying to keep him on the perimeter or on the wing now, uh, to minimize his his focus. So, you know, there's there's a lot of bodies there with with Henry, with Langford, with Watts. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that you can do, and I, I, there's a lot of different things that that I think Izzo and and Stevens and and that whole group has to figure out here in the first couple games, just about. Who fits best where, and and kind of whittle down the playing time from there. That I don't think, you know, there's for how many guys are coming back. There's a lot of moving parts still.
2: Didn't uh, is already say at some point that Langford was going to start, or am I misremembering that? Or yeah,
1: yeah, I believe so. I don't,
0: I, yeah, I, I think that was overblown. I, I think that he's in a position to start, as how I understood that compared to everybody else. I don't, I don't necessarily know if that means he's going to start game one. And, again, you know, there's there's been times, you know, you think about the – I think about some of the guys like Kyle Arnes and a few other guys that, you know, they they, they were asked, would you you rather be starting or coming off the bench? And veteran guys have said, I'll come off the bench, Um, you know, whether that's pushed and prodded into that uh, as a leader or whatever, but – you know, I'm not I'm not 100% sold that Langford will be in the starting lineup. I haven't been since he said that because it was kind of a real quick passing mention when he was breaking down everything else. And I think he was also talking about guys in the position to start.
1: Well, but here's the thing. You talk about Watts, so let's go back to that for a second. I I, I firmly believe he – I mean, Watts thinks he's ready to play it. He had been studying Cassius Winston. He thinks he's ready to go at that position. And, and I think they think he's ready. I mean, what what – what Dwayne Stevens said in the press conference um, did, did not mirror what, what the last time he and I spoke, and and, and so I, I'm I would be stunned if if Rocket Watts is not in that starting lineup um, on Wednesday. It, it just to me doesn't. It, and I'm not saying Foster Lawyer is anything less because they they've been very high on Lawyer. It just it, I, I it it just doesn't. I think
0: make the sense. ideal lineup. The ideal lineup is Watch at the one and length. Too, but I think that there's still some moving parts going into this season that they need to figure out to make sure that that's the 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 occasion. I, I don't want to to make it sound like I think it's set in stone that it's Lawyer Watts or you know Lawyer Langford and Watts coming off the bench. I don't think I think they got to figure that out themselves right now.
2: Uh, you know, sticking with the uh, the the guard positions or what? I mean, what do you guys can tell or surmise about AJ Hoggard potentially playing? At some point, I think a lot of people thought there was a chance he might step into the to the point guard spot immediately as a freshman, but that does not sound like to be the case at all.
0: Well, it's the knee. I mean, he had knee, knee procedure here uh, within the last month or so, oh, which I, I think has kind of set him back a little bit, and you know that'll put him. You know, if he gets minutes at this point, um, it'll probably be to get him up to speed a little bit, not so much to to be in the competitive mode, as far as I would understand.
1: So the beauty of for 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 Hogard is that he he can, um, you know, yeah. He, and, and from what I've understood, he's he looks like a freshman. They like him still, but you know, he looks like a freshman. So he's 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 well behind the other two. And in any other year, you you consider whether a redshirt made sense. Uh, this is a free year for all these guys. Like you got to remind remember, this is Foster Lawyer's sophomore year. This is Gabe Brown's sophomore year. This is uh, Marcus Bingham's sophomore year. You may it, it's it's their junior year, but if you're not an MBA guy, and it'll we'll see how it all works with the scholarships in the NCAA. But in terms of truly your eligibility right now, these guys are sophomores, and and so for 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 Hogart, he's a senior in high school where He's a freebie. This is a redshirt year, and he gets to play as he's ready to play. As the you know, you Eastern Michigan game; that's a blowout. He'll get some time. You don't have to worry about that sort of stuff this season. And that that's that's a huge deal for a guy like that. I think.
0: The guy who I think it's interesting for that free year is Marcus Bingham because remember back his freshman year he was asked if he wanted a red shirt and he said no, so now you essentially do get that red shirt availability um, to play two extra years. I mean that the, I, and it's a kid that struggled to gain weight. Um, we don't know exactly where he's going to be at physically um, or rotationally right now. I mean I've, I've heard things about him and Kithier. You know they're they're battling for the starting position at the five, and you know knowing just historically when you mentioned Kenny Goins and 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 Kithier mentioned trying to be like Kenny Goins, I think that's you know when you've got Joey Hauser stepping in, when you've got those weapons on the on the uh, perimeter, it, it, history dictates is it goes with the guy who plays more positionally sound defense and as much of a shot blocker as Bingham is, and I think he's. Very good at that. Um, you know, He's struggled with the physical aspect of the defense, whereas Kithier's been a little more of kind of just a, a, a non noticeable piece, which is a good thing on the defensive side.
2: Yeah, since we're, since we're talking about the front car, let's just kind of stick there and let's start, start with the five position. Uh, I mean, I could see a possibility where it's Marble, Bingham, Kithier, all three just, it could just be a rotation, hot or cold. That's who starts or who looks better in practice that week. Uh, and I mean, where do you guys think maybe Maddie Sissoko? Potentially comes into the equation. Have you guys heard any great things out of him from from camp so far?
1: Yeah, I think that you've got to, it was so Sasaki. Cool. I think there are things they love about him. They they think he runs the floor unlike anybody they've ever had. And and the the question will be, you know, does he do the rest? Is he in the right place defensively? Does he rebound well enough, blocking out and so and and those sort of things to supplant guys who are upperclassmen? Um, because again, there there are. I think for him to supplant somebody, he needs to be clearly better because the the, the ramifications of that are are tough you know i mean if you're a, if you're a, if you're an older player and a freshman takes a spot that's gonna be around longer than you um that that, that that you know how many of those guys stick around what does that mean um, so I, I do think they like him and I do think he'll have a a rotational role perhaps this year um i you know i I also think um it it It'll happen on the court in games that'll determine Bingham or or um, or Marble, and then the other the, the dark horse here with a guy like Kithier is Kithier is the closest guy cerebrally to what uh, Xavier Tillman was in terms of being in the right place. He he physically can't do what Tillman does, but he, he finishes well around the rim. I, I think he could be uh, somebody who they lean on to be in the right place and do the right things, and has a role because of that stuff. Um, so I, it's fascinating to watch those guys i don't i don't I don't have an idea of which way it's going to break um because we just haven't seen him in a while,
0: yeah, and I think Kithier is probably uh, and again, this is a sample size from the last couple of years. I think of those guys he's probably the best passer of the group, which when you're talking about a ball flow offense and 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 the motion that they've shown over the the past couple of years, that's a critical thing for that spot. so i I, I think Sissoko's an interesting case because one of the things that, that Kithier mentioned is how strong he looks. Um, and I think he's at 235, but but that's, you know, if you're physically able to play in that spot, I mean, you saw Marble get minutes last year as a true freshman. You know, you're going to get your minutes. And that's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see opponent-wise and matchup-wise, like you said, Graham. I mean, maybe maybe there's going to be a game where, where having that, that 7-4 wingspan of Sosoko makes more sense than... And the other guys, because he's got to not only cover like a Luke Garza, say, but um, also has to, you know, handle the physical aspect of it, um, uh, of a bigger, older player where, where, Mar- where Marble could maybe handle that physically, but might not positionally be as good uh, and have as, as the same kind of shot blocking ability. It's, there is a lot of things that I think is going to go into that five spot. Um, but I, I, to me... You know, like just relying on Izzo's history, I think the fact of what you said about how cerebral Kithier plays that position seems like he would be maybe the best fit with that starting
2: group. Yeah, we said that uh, last week, Chris, and I think Graham went with Bingham as the projected starter center. So, be interesting to see what kind of lineup he trots out there. Well, let's let's stay in the front court. Let's move to the fourth position here. I, the, the, this is the guy I'm probably I'm most excited, and I think a lot of Michigan State fans are probably excited to see, and that's Joey Hauser. I mean, I know there are some. Sky high expectations for him, Graham. I think you've mentioned multiple times that you think he's going to go to the NBA next year. But this is also a guy we haven't seen play a game in well over well uh, eighteen months now. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can just get acclimated with the team.
1: Yeah, no, Joey Hauser is. uh, I mean, I don't. You know, if if you remember him from his Marquette days, and I'm one of those you know Big East hoops Monday night junkies guys. You know, I watch a lot of college hoops during 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 the winter. Um, So I've seen a lot of Joey Hauser and he is, um, I mean, he is not just a stretch four. he is a guy who you you can play, you know, has some post moves. He's sturdy. He's he's somebody who's crafty on the drive with the ball and can finish a little bit. Um, You know, there's a lot to his offensive game and defensively, he wasn't great two years ago, but we'll we'll see that whole Marquette team wasn't and that they kind of fell apart and that's why that happened. But um, yeah, I think he adds a ton. I, I just, you know, you're talking about a proven dude. Um, who can, who, who you know, I, I has a real good chance to be their leading scorer. I think in MSU's offense too, the way they use fours to to trail, the break, and, and, and hit threes. I, I think there are a lot of things that are, are really going to um, help Michigan State having him. Uh, and uh, you know, I don't know if he'll for sure uh, go pro, but I think he'll he'll test. He'll, you know, he'll likely to test the waters if he has the year. I think uh, he can have.
0: I'm curious to see his playmaking ability because, I mean, that's the one thing I think that maybe has surprised me a little bit hearing about when when Tom Izzo kind of says that he might be his best uh, big man passer. Well, I mean, geez, Xavier Tillman was pretty darn good just like last year. And Draymond Green was pretty good historically. And, you know, if and that's what, again, we, we talk about the last few years what's made that offense so good and and so fluid is not just Cassius Winston, but being able to run it through Tillman to be able to go thing, you know, go different ways, and having a guy like Henry who elevates guys around them with his ability to get into the paint and distribute. You know, if you add a guy like Hauser, I, I want to see what he can do as a scorer, but I also want to see how he makes guys around him better, because um, that I think is is what could take this team from great to elite. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking. Probably top ten, top fifteen talent right now, but if you add, if you've added a player who's taken that step to to bring the guys around him up, um, in in Hauser, and if Hauser can show he can do that, I, I think you know that's a, you know, then you couple in if you get a healthy Langford. I mean, it's hard to kind of project this team with the unknowns because the unknowns, the the ceiling can be super high, um, but you know that that super high ceiling kind of kind of limits maybe what the the big picture is if they don't reach that ceiling like you know what i mean Graham? does that make sense
1: it it does and like cuz this whole team is a fascinating case of of you know a chance to with a very high ceiling like i think pound for pound they may be better than last year talent wise cuz they'll be able to get into you more defensively i think they're they're um a little a little more matchup proof in certain ways um and um and so, you know, if Hauser, if, if, if Langford is close to what he was and Hauser is what he's touted to be and, and, and sort of an improved version of what he was at Marquette, that's just in terms of offensive firepower and ability to defend on the perimeter. Um, you know, th- there's a chance this could be a really, really dynamic team. Um, but again, you got to see it at point guard. You got to see what Langford's like. Can can Gabe Brown take that step and be consistent and be the shooter? They think he is. They don't think he's a guy who can make threes. I think he's a shooter. And what that means is the three point line doesn't matter if he's truly a shooter. Um, you know, is Foster Lawyer what they're saying? You know, are the bigs good enough when they're being relied upon heavily uh, to to, to uh, hang with with uh, still what's a very good uh, class of bigs in the Big Ten? When you talk about uh, Kofi Coburn and Luca Garza and these guys, like you know. It, it, uh, there are still a lot of questions with this team.
0: Yeah. And you know, the guy that we haven't talked about and you didn't mention in that is Aaron Henry. Can he take that next step? Cause I mean, there were points last year when we talked to Aaron Henry, where he was comfortable deferring to Winston and Tillman. You can't be that guy anymore. You're now a junior. You're the, the, you're no longer Alfred the Butler, as Izzo would say, you're in the Batman role or you got to be in the, the Robin role one way or another. I, I think that, He's he's taken incremental steps over his first two years. Um, this is the year he needs to show where the ceiling is—not just for for this team, but for himself in the NBA draft stock as well.
1: I think the interesting. What, Robert, I disagree with you a little on that, Chris. Is is I think where, where even himself and the program and all of us uh, misjudged last year is is he's not a scorer. That's not his. Now where, where he was inconsistent last year is his aggression like he had seven games of three rebounds or less and a uh, number of games of seven shots or less I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head and, and you're right he does need need to be I mean he's somebody who can get in the lane at, at will and, and, and he can score in a variety of ways I think they're going to use him somewhat to facilitate the offense a little bit of point guard a little bit on the wing but he's a great ultimate fitter and last year's team. That people were looking for a number three score, and he wasn't. That really wasn't in his mindset, and he lost confidence. I thought Izzo actually coached him poorly, where he where he responded well as a freshman. To Izzo really getting into him. He needed a different approach last year, and I think this team he fits better because this is a team where he will be, I think, the fourth scorer in the starting lineup, and and that's a, that's a huge help for him. And and not that he will be the fourth leading scorer, but I'm talking about fourth option, um, you know, and, and and I I think. Because his, his trek to the NBA is uh, to uh, is defense, it's facilitating, it's fitting in. It's knocking down shots on offense when he's open, it's getting in the lane, and, 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 and it's defending. Um, and, and I think those sort of things, but he's just got to do them consistently and aggressively and keep his confidence. But I think his own expectations last year that he was going to become this third score, this guy that was going to rise up, and MSU's expectations for that, uh misjudged a little bit who he who he is as a player
0: well i just i you know i'm I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that just simply because what what separates aaron henry from brandon dawson per se um is that shot i mean he's got the shot that that has been proven that he can make it outside um and there was the hesitance i mean the hesitance to look for it the hesitance when he did get into the lane to go to the rim rather than looking around to try and find someone else. I mean, that's, that's, you know, you talk about the, the mindset, uh, you don't have to necessarily think score, but you have to understand and recognize the situation when you get in deep in the paint to, to take the ball to the rim, which I don't think, you know, that that's what we're talking about scoring. I mean, there are, there are points that he left out there last year that I think that, you know, you're talking maybe six or eight points a game. That's, That's a pretty big number.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think he was somebody who, you know, they, you know, needs to bring it with aggression because the points will be yeah. there. Um, and that, you know, his that,
0: mindset. That's be what I mean. Less tentative. He needs to be less yeah. tentative.
2: Yeah, I mean, sure. it, I mean, it, it took him forever to get going last year, and I don't think Michigan State can can afford that again, obviously.
0: But, but when he did, you saw that offense kind of start gelling a little bit more.
2: Yep. Uh, so the only two guys I don't think we've really – Talked extensively about her, Gay Brown, who we've mentioned in passing a couple times, and we have not men- yet to mention Malik Hall, who I presume is probably technically the backup to Hauser. But I mean, all those all those f- other front court guys that we talked about could probably also play that in a pinch. So, you know, you guys talked about Gay Brown being the six. or where do you do? You, I mean, the six man, excuse me, is that the role he ultimately fits in? And where do you guys, how do you guys feel about Malik Hall coming off the bench?
1: Well, I I think Hall is interesting because Hall is to me I've never seeing a player uh show more of an array of skills in a year as a young player and only show them once like i've never seen anything <laughs> like it. like it, it, it's bizarre like it, it, you know if i'm playing pickup hoops and i've got a move that works you're going to see it every time down the floor and and he hits three threes against seton hall and then he hits four the rest of the year he, he has that great drive and dunk it and maui and we didn't really see that again he had a, a few post moves he go wow that's something and he just didn't see them. So he's got all that in his game. And and, I, and I'm curious if that's, I mean, there, there's a chance Malik Hall by the end of the year is this guy that you just can't keep off the floor. And, and and Dwayne Stevens yesterday talked about the idea that they can go small with him at the four and Hauser at the five, which really would be interesting for those other fives. Uh, but, but it will be interesting to see whatever MSU's best five winds up being. And we don't know that yet. And I'm not talking about their most talented five. I think we can kind of put that together. Um, but the, the best five guys they can put together is Gabe Brown. Part of that is Malik call part of that. It, um, and you know, is, is Gabe Brown going to be consistent and Izzo has been pumping him up in that Morris Peterson role, partly because he wants him to be okay as a junior coming off the bench. Um, and, uh, so we'll see. I mean, they need consistency from Gabe Brown. It's, it, it's, it's, it's go time.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were – once he got sick in the middle part of the year, I mean, he was just a different guy. It's just, you know, you, you didn't see the energy. You saw the minutes dwindle. You, you saw uh, less aggression, I, I think, from him, which is strange because Gabe Brown never met a shot he didn't take. I mean, you know, he had that one – I think one big game at Nebraska um, was his, you know, I, I think his second half basically, and the rest was just an up-and-down mixed bag. So you're right, the consistency has to be there for him. I am curious about Hall just because I I do think that they want to use him at three different positions, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he can defend the three but also play with the ball in his hand on the wings like that, Um, you know, and and to to bring him down to the five if you're in a – I mean, that's going to be, I think, matchup-based. I and mean, if you run against a, a more athletic team, you, you may may think that he's the the better guy in there. Um and maybe it's just for small spells. Um, you know, and I think that I think there's gonna be a lot of that. I, I think that this is a versatile lineup and a versatile roster that Izzo has that he can he can tinker with that and have, you know, those couple minute combinations just to throw change ups at teams. I, I you know, I think it's just gonna be a matter of getting getting those game. Because yeah, remember, you don't have an exhibition game this year. You don't have a chance to to really run that those kind of things uh, against competition that, that isn't going to count. You don't have that Grand Valley that you can lose to and go on to a Final Four, right? I mean, you've got to be able to do this on the fly. So um, it'll be interesting to watch this develop.
2: So they're ranked number 12 in the preseason coaches poll. Fair? Foul? Too high? Too low?
1: I mean, the problem is, again, I... People don't know what they – you know. I don't think it's unfair because you lose Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. So that's the assumption. And if if I were a voting person who wasn't in East Lansing, I would look from afar and say that's a lot to lose. And it is a lot to lose. And I would probably do the same thing. So while I think people are underestimating their ceiling, I I also think that's probably a fair preseason ranking.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair too. I mean, just like you said, I mean, you have to look at the – the amount of points, the amount of assists, the amount of rebounds, the amount of steals, the amount of blocks. I mean those, those two guys were I mean I, when I broke down the numbers how much they represented of a lot of those categories were surprising just simply because you you don't think of Cassius Winston as a rebounder but he'd sneak in a few here and there that would add to Tillman's totals and you know I think this I think there was only one game that someone other than those two led in an assists and I believe it was the game that Winston sat out, um, and, and Foster Lawyer started. So, I mean, that's a lot of production when you, especially when you talk about an offense that moves the ball like that. But, but you're right. I mean, we have seen how some of these guys are, which gives us a little bit of a different idea. It's it's about how they're going to mesh. I mean, you know, that's you know, you, you not only lose a great leader um, in those two guys, but you also the the thing that really kind of gets lost is especially for Cassius Winston, how much the guys around him liked him and rallied around him. Um, especially last year in particular, but, but they liked playing with him. I mean, even miles bridges when he was in high school before they committed, you know, talked about how much he loved playing with Cassius Winston. So it's gonna be a different dynamic, I think. Right. I mean, you, you've got one of the ultimate pass first point guards who could still score 20 a night on you. Um, and 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 what are you going to go to now? I mean, are you going to go to a back to more of a lead guard versus a combo guard I, or a you know, traditional point guard? I don't know. It's that how that all comes together is going to be is going to have to play out over the course of the year and you know, I think right now 12 talent wise that that's that's a fair assessment.
2: So let's move on here a little bit in the basketball. Let's talk about Eastern Michigan game on Wednesday. What is one thing that you guys are looking for in that game, and maybe if you want to throw a bonus, one thing you might be looking at in Saturday night's game against Northwestern, which is at 8 p.m. at Breslin Center.
1: Well, I, I, would, I would say... Uh, Notre Dame, not Northwestern.
2: Did I say Northwestern? Uh,
1: sorry. Yes. You're thinking football.
2: I, I, Notre Dame, Saturday night.
1: I would tell Eastern Michigan, here's the deal. We'll, we'll keep doing these games and give you a payday, uh, but you got to drop the zone. it's just ugly in basketball and it makes this game ugly in other words you're not going to be able to take a ton away from it because zones suck and they ruin the game they ruin the enjoyment. if everybody played zone defense college basketball would not be on tv there's a hot take for you um i I think it's just it's not fun to watch but i do think they'll they'll you know how rocket watts and and and, um foster lawyer handle that and, and you know i'm not saying you shouldn't play a zone somewhere along the way against his own defense to prepare for. If you see it, it just stinks in the opener when everybody's anticipating and looking forward to it and ready to make judgments about things that are going to look completely different. I run, I once wrote a column guys that Javon best might be the second most important player on Michigan state's basketball team. After watching MSU play a game against zone and he was fantastic. And a year later he was transferred like zone is not basketball. So that said, uh, I, you know, I am, you know, you just want to see them, play you want to see what you can who make shots what the rotations are and then saturday against notre dame you make judgments because that's a team that's a little more seasoned as a point guard has a lot of guys a lot of guys who played a lot and and uh but also a team that gets rattled by uh uh, pressure their guards have gotten really hurt them last year so if this that's going to be a strength of this michigan state team where their guards can get into you uh then then we may see it then
0: i'm gonna have to disagree here because i do think that particularly at the point guard spot the ability to not get rattled by that zone is critical and and that's obviously the thing that you're gonna gonna watch most i mean you know if the shots aren't falling how how do the pe- point guards you know whether it be lawyer whether it be watts um how do they they penetrate how do they how do they move the ball um do they not get discouraged? I, I think there's a lot that goes into that um, from a mental test maybe. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you from the aesthetic beauty of, of watching zone basketball, but but I also think from from a, an adaptability standpoint as a point guard, I think it's going to be a, a nice, interesting test right up front. But, but yeah, the, the Notre Dame game is going to be the one where you're going to get a better gauge. Um, I, I think the other thing to watch is just, as we said, Where is Josh Langford? Because this is, you know, he's a a zone buster kind of guy, right? I mean, if he's healthy and right, he'll be able to bust it.
2: Before we move on to football, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Coors Light. You know, life today is kind of a lot. We're always forced to be on. But every now and then, it's important to just stop, crack open a mountain cold Coors Light, and chill out. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's literally made to chill, Coors Light. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. The mountains on Coors Light cold activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection. When your game is on this weekend, or any game for that matter, make sure your refrigerator is stocked up with the one beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. When life has got you on the go, 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 take a minute, relax, and enjoy a cold Coors Light. Light. You can even have Coors Light delivered to your door by going to get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And with Michigan State playing two back-to-back football and basketball games on Saturday, be plenty of time for uh, our our Spartan listeners to down all of that Coors Light.
1: I love it. It was great ad lib. I wanted to let it let it let it marinate. Let listeners think about all the beer they can they can consume, all the Coors Light they can have during that. Uh during those two games, Not it could either. be a really sloppy evening, you know. <laughs> it could be by the time they get to the. uh never mind. Be be careful here, but the. This
2: is a free flowing podcast, because I, yeah. I say go ahead, go ahead. It is.
1: This is what happens when you let
0: us choose. <laughs>
2: fair, that's fair. All right, well, let's talk a little football here, as we, uh, as I mentioned off the top, Northwestern, ranked 11th nationally, is coming off a big win over Wisconsin. And I think the thing that I'm really looking at is how does Michigan State move the ball against a team that's ranked in the top 10 in both scoring and total defense, especially when you look at Michigan State's offensive numbers, where they are between 110 and 120, I believe, in both scoring offense and total offense. Those, When you put all those four numbers and you mix them up and put them together, uh, that does not seem like a very great recipe for success for the Spartans on Saturday. Chris? The
0: biggest thing to me is going to be Michigan State has been so turnover prone all season outside of that Michigan game, and you just watched Northwestern just steal the life away from from Wisconsin last week. I mean, you know Graham Mertz was throwing the ball into their their breadbasket. They were forcing turnovers themselves, so you know that's that's a dangerous situation for a team that's trying to build momentum. You gotta. You got to be able to protect the ball, um, but more than that, from a defensive standpoint, from Michigan State, you got to be able to take it away. Um, and Northwestern doesn't turn it over all that much.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how you. I mean, Northwestern's better than people think. It's funny. I watched the 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 the, the Wisconsin game was the first time I really watched them closely, and we think of them as this plucky little team, you know, that overachieves, and that's because none of us really know anything. And we don't like if you put Clemson football helmets on that defense and watch the speed on the edges, you'd be like, wow, that's, that's a really good defense. Um, and we get stuck with the purple in the end on the helmet. And we, you know, it's just, it's typical. Um, it's forced us to, um, it, it, it's made that the way we think of them because they, they have had a lot of seasons like that. And they have had a lot of years where they beat some mid-major by one point in the non-conference season and then win 10 games. And you're like, well, how good are they really? Um, uh, and, I, and I do think Chris is right on the money that Michigan State, if they take care of the ball, um, points are still going to be at a premium. They they, I don't know how much they can move it, but I'll say this. What MSU has that they haven't had in, in recent years much is a little bit of big playability. And the, if they can protect whoever is at quarterback. And again, we haven't seen that the deep throw from uh from peyton thorn if he's the starter and this is that'll be interesting too um there there may be the chance for a couple strikes but they're gonna have to protect the ball i don't think offensively northwestern is going to run away from them but uh unless they really unless they get careless on the offensive end
2: well, I mean, that's what uh, happened to the to Iowa and the, the against Northwestern when they played in, earlier in the regular season. Iowa jumped out to that seventeen to nothing lead, and they took advantage of Michigan or excuse me, they took advantage of Northwestern turnovers to get to that lead and created some short fields. So it feels like if Michigan State's going to advantage, that that might be might be where it comes on the from the defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, and, but you, you look at this team, and, and I mean, they've they've got five takeaways on the year. I mean, that's that's. You know, if you're playing that four-two-five, I mean, I think the three of them are Shakur Brown interceptions. Um, so you got to be able to get some strips. Um, that's that's been an issue for this defense for a couple of years now. Um, and you know, the, you got to knock that ball loose somehow. Um, you know, whatever it is, whether it's gang tackling, rallying to the ball, um, you know, active hands. Uh, that those are the things that. That need to happen because, I mean, all the momentum shifted every time the offense has turned the ball over. And it has been very rare. I mean, even in the Rutgers game, the difference was that instead, you know, Rutgers gets up big, but MSU forces a few turnovers to stay within and, and keep the game a little bit closer. And that's why you kind of felt, okay they they there are some things that are happening there, but you haven't seen that since. You haven't seen the defense being able to do that. They've been set up with terrible field position a lot. Um and I think that's mentally and physically wearing on them. But you gotta be able to, to generate some turnovers or else you you're gonna continue to languish.
2: Well I think the interesting thing about Northwestern also, I think Graham kind of alluded to this earlier, is that they're just much better than I think people you know, realize off the top of her head. I mean all they needed was a, a quarter a, a stability at quarterback with a IU transfer Peyton Ramsey and he's really kind of settled things there. The the combination of Hunter Johnson and Aiden Smith and a, there might have been a third quarterback in the mix for for Northwestern last year, but they were they were not good for the Wildcats last year. Now they've yeah. got a decent quarterback and now all of a sudden here they are on the boy, on the cusp of maybe something special this year
0: yeah and, and I think the thing with Ramsey is Michigan State at least the personnel on the field has some familiarity with them although there's not many holdovers from the guys who have faced Ramsey I mean remember Indiana came in here last year with kind of a coin flip and I think the one thing Mark D'Antonio did in that game was prepare it seemed like all week he was talking about preparing for Ramsey and it seemed like they got caught off guard when Penix played in that game so at least there's that they they've prepared for Peyton Ramsey before and they know some of his tendencies a um, little different with this entire uh this entire changeover into the northwestern system um you know that's uh, that obviously is has, has not only you've seen the the things that Ramsey does well but also you've seen how much that sparked northwestern I mean five and0 that's oh, you know it's I don't care who you play, that's that's no slouch to start the year and when it's all big ten play.
1: I am hopeful that, um, that more the people took Northwestern, by the way, uh, at plus 2,300 and even last week at plus 1,800 to win the Big Ten because the odds were fantastic and the money is free and it, it has been for a little while. And the, the weird thing is that, that Wisconsin game gets canceled this week. Northwestern wouldn't even have to win that game because Wisconsin wouldn't be eligible for the – when I would have played enough games to be in the, the, the Big Ten championship game um, because what what – all you'd have to do is hedge the bet by betting Ohio State uh, to, to uh, uh, in the Big Ten championship game to secure several hundred dollars. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out there to people. <laughs> Something to watch every year with the Big Ten West. Because of Ohio State and the, uh, and the East, there are long odds, and you just got to get the right team over there, and there's a lot of money to be made. Just putting that out there for people. Anyway. That's, that's
0: good. Um, we'll do that in my sports book in the basement, which I'm sure you heard yes. a lot of banging and crashing <laughs> here a few minutes ago as I was getting some water out. Literally, I'm getting water out of my fridge. That's that's all that's in there—just
1: water and Gatorade. So, but and, I, I and, and Coors Light. I think it's gonna be interesting to watch this game from the standpoint of. I mean, this is a, a, a real. We didn't know Northwestern was gonna be this good at the beginning of the year, so we're gonna see now what you know. Um, you know what, MSU. Can do again, and this is almost a perfect matchup in some ways for this offense that needs to progress. That's had a couple of weeks because they're not facing a dynamic offense on the other side where they're going to feel all this pressure to sort of keep pace. They need to play a smart game. They need to show that they have some ability to hit with big plays, um, and they need to you know take care of the ball. and And it'll be interesting to see if they go with the young quarterback in a matchup like this, or if they go back to Rocky, and, and who wins this. I, I'm very curious to see. You know, I think. With Maryland, it made a little more sense to give Peyton Thorne some run, but this is a tough, tough starting debut if it's for Peyton Thorne.
0: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting question to to answer. I mean, it's, you know, we may not know that until kickoff. I mean, Mel Tucker didn't really talk about it on Tuesday all that much as kind of expected. I mean, really nothing has changed in a week, um, and I don't think that he would ever – you know, I mean, we're starting to develop a little bit of an understanding of Mel Tucker's M.O., and it falls more in that, uh, from a personnel standpoint, it seems like it falls a little bit more in that Nick Saban camp where don't reveal all that much. Although D'Antonio tried it, sometimes he would reveal it. But, um, you know, I think, I, I, will it be a game-time decision? Probably not. He'll probably have it figured out by late in the week. But, you know, to me, when you've got that much pressure – when you, when you've got a Northwestern team that's got veteran linebackers that that are going to pursue and and do those things, I mean, do you, do you want Lombardi standing behind a line that's not blocking, or do you want a guy like Thorn who's mobile to get away and have some escapability from pressure? I, I don't know. I, it's you know, is 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 the escapability the the only factor? I mean, we saw. Remember, Brian he made his first career start against Northwestern. Uh, on a similar type situation uh, back in 2016 uh, over Tyler O'Connor. And then by the end of that game, Tyler O'Connor was back in there slinging the ball around all
2: over the place. I know both of you guys last week, you you guys said you thought Peyton Thorne would be the starter. Do you guys still feel that way, or do you think you're going to switch to Rocky as the starter?
0: I still say it's probably going to be Thorne. I mean, partly. Uh, I went back over some things that I had talked with some people over the, the course of the last few months. And just the, the, the way that I kind of felt just reading the tea leaves is because of the way the system, the, the, the fall was set up with the big 10 shutting down and starting and stopping and not having spring practice. It was set up for Lombardi early in the year as a veteran guy who started before. And I, I felt like along the way, someone else would step in. Someone else would, would overtake him if he didn't seize the job and, you know, those first two games he thought he was seizing the job and then it, it, it reverted pretty dramatically the past two weeks. Um, and I think that the deficiencies in front of him, you know, that that to me is the ultimate thing is is, is, is it, who's going to be the guy to get away from pressure because we've seen pressure for both of them. And, you know, as of, as of right now, Thorne's been the guy to escape and evade pressure. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, but at the same point. Harbaugh started Joe Milton last week, so what do I know, right? I mean, I would have, I would have started the other guy, (laughs) you know, after how he finished against the Wisconsin team. So I
1: would have started just about anybody other than Joe Milton. Now, I would have started you. Uh, Um, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Joe Milton a little bit that only that he, I mean, you know, you lose a job, the other guy comes in and dazzles, and you may never get another shot again, at least in Michigan.
0: He'll have, he'll have plenty of opportunities if he does enter the portal. I think that that's for
2: sure. I mean Harbaugh's got a bit of a trigger trigger finger. I mean, they he could just as easily come back in the third quarter next week or something if if uh, McNamara gets off to a cold start, get off to a slow start He or could
0: easily like start again for all that we know.
2: Graham, what do you think about, about MSU's quarterback situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't know where uh, what what he'll do. I might, I would lean probably Peyton Thorn. I think this is a tough game for that. I, I, you know, again, if you're if you're going to, um, you know, if if you're going to play Peyton Thorn against Ohio State, to me, you sure as hell better do it against Northwesterns. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not that Ohio State's defense is better than Northwesterns. I don't think it is. Um, but I think I don't think they're as good in the back end as they, they've been. But against Ohio State, you're going to feel this sort of pressure to keep pace. And that's a different feeling, I think, in a, in a game that you can, um, you know, just manage your side of the ball a little bit. And uh, so uh, these are a tough two games, but you've only got three left. And it's, you know, the fourth, I guess. But you want to find out what you have at the quarterback position. I think they probably know what they have with Rocky Lombardi. And whether you have to go out in the off season and sign – uh, you know a, a, a transfer, uh, which I think there'll be a lot of that next year, um, and I think this is an attractive place for a quarterback because you've got young, good receivers. That's the strength probably of the football team moving forward. And maybe the offensive line isn't perfect, but there's there's an opportunity if you're a quarterback to put up some numbers. Um, but you got to know if, if if you need to do that and if you want to do that.
0: You do bring up an interesting point. Kind of looking farther into the future. I mean. You know that Ohio State defense. I, I think one thing that Michael Pennick showed is that you can pick them apart over the top, and that's the one thing that Lombardi has shown he's been able to do this year. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it'll be end up being a revolving door situation for this year because, at this point, why not? You know, you know, if it's a game by game situation roll with it you know if, if one guy looks better and you need a deep ball go with Lombardi if you don't I mean w- at this point what do you have to lose if you if you do this you're getting guys experience for next year is really where you're at right now
2: okay before we move on to uh our predictions I gotta correct myself here I said Northwestern was ranked 11th in the coaches poll they're actually ranked 13th in the coaches poll and I got the 11th from the associated press poll so I apologize to you guys for that that huge error two Uh, polls
1: that have absolutely no meaning
2: excellent
0: (laughs) yeah uh tonight um is the first reveal of the uh the uh college football playoffs yeah you know and and i believe i saw that that none of the members of the committee tested positive for covid so you
2: know there's that (laughs) congratulations to them so uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? I know that uh, Michigan State football got a a commit in the like in the middle like midday Saturday during <laughs> in the midst of all these college football games, but uh, it's a, I only want to bring it up because it is a, another huge offensive lineman, six four two ninety for the t- class of twenty twenty two. So I mean, yeah. we we just a continuing theme. We know we know what Mel Tucker wants, and it's big offensive lineman.
0: Yeah, Gavin Broche is from uh, Arizona for the twenty twenty two class, so that's two offensive, big offensive guards for that class that, you know, it, it, it looks like this class has a little more in the tackle side to kind of address some of those needs that for 2021, um, including a uh, uh, Brandon Baldwin, the junior college transfer. So, uh, you know, uh, size only matters um, if, if you can play at that position. If you can't, if you can't move, if you can't move a guy in front of you, it doesn't matter how big you are. I mean, we've talked so much over the last couple of years about Michigan State's offensive lineman shrinking, growing, adding weight, taking weight off to be more mobile, putting weight back on to, to be more physical. And, you know, if, you, if you're not able to move the guy in front of you, I think Mel Tucker said it best today, if you're not able to impose your will and force the guy on the other side to bow to it, what what you know, that's ultimately what determines if you're good or not on the offensive line.
2: Under predictions, let's start with basketball. I won't ask you guys to predict a exact final score. We'll just use the spread. Michigan State is a 20-point favorite over Eastern Michigan, according to DraftKings. Do you predict Michigan State will cover that?
1: Graham? 20-point favorite over Eastern? Um, yeah, I think that's probably about the right number, but it's because of the zone and everything. Um, and this is where, like, Vegas doesn't actually have an idea on this. If this was a non-zone team looking at Eastern's talent, um, and they got the 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 kid from Ann Arbor Pioneer transferred back from Holy Cross, so I like a lot that guard louder. But um, if this were a non-zone team, I think MSU would cover that. I, I think they still will, um, but I I would say yes.
0: Yeah, it's going to be right in that general range. I I think they don't cover it, but I think it'll still be those high teens.
2: All right, there's there's no spread for the Saturday game against Notre Dame. But where do you guys, if you had to guess, where do you think that spread will be?
0: Boy, I would probably say in that, you know, six to eight point range. I mean, that's the other thing that people don't realize is that now there's no home court advantage anymore. Only very little in terms of home court advantage. I think this is for basketball. It's going to be a little bit more. It's going to matter a little bit more maybe than in football. I don't know about you, Graham, but I mean, I'd say probably six to eight points somewhere in there for Michigan State.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know Notre Dame's got a, a seasoned team, so it'll depend a little bit on how quickly MSU comes together. I think MSU has some advantages, uh, athleticism-wise, in the backcourt, and um, but yeah, I think the home court is going to be weird and it's going to be jarring for a while for home teams, and it's going to be a disadvantage because you're used to that. And and, and uh, I would say you know in that eight eight to ten range, ten twelve that ten points over Notre Dame.
2: All right, and last but not least, Michigan State football game Saturday afternoon against Northwestern. What is your score prediction, and will Northwestern cover the thirteen and a half points, Chris?
0: I think a better question is Northwestern going to score thirteen and a half points. Mm. Um, you know, I think we've, you know, that, that's the one thing I think that that makes this to me. I'd, I'd say this is an under kind of game, um, just based on the two coaches, based on their styles, but. But I, I think Northwestern wins this probably around that 20 to 10 range, 20 to – yeah, you know what? I, I, I think I actually have this projected here. Hold on. Let me let me call it up. Um, I I am going with uh, Northwestern 24, Michigan
2: State 13. All right. Graham?
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. I've gone back and forth on whether I would take MSU to cover. I, it's, I, I wouldn't take MSU in real life if anybody's out there thinking about it. Probably isn't after the last two games, um, but I, I do think just MSU's propensity to turn it over is why I'm going to I'm going to say that this winds up being like 27-10 and, and Northwestern covers it.
2: As I say, we need, should probably note that Michigan State has only scored seven points total in the past two games, so we'll see if they kind of break out of that funk this week. Of course, going against a top ten defense.
0: What is the line right now?
2: Uh, the over/under line is 42 and a half.
0: It's a thirteen-point
2: spread. Thirteen and a half.
0: I've, I've seen it. I've seen it fluctuate. I think it opened at nine. I've seen it up as many as thirteen, and I've seen it around ten or eleven as well. So I, I, I don't that much fluctuation tells me that no one knows really what to
2: expect. <laughs> I mean, that's just generally true for gambling in general. We just get lucky or unlucky, really.
1: <laughs> Except Graham.
2: Except Graham. Graham. Uh, Graham.
1: Yeah, he went a hundred percent of the time, right? Uh, <laughs>
2: Exactly. All right. Well, I hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving.
1: You as well. Bro. Thank
2: you. Hopefully you guys can stay safe, stay healthy, and that goes for all the listeners out there as well. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at Graham underscore Couch, at Chris Solari, at Phil underscore Friend, and at LSJ Green white. Thanks for listening.
1: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of
0: uh,
2: human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.